God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven, you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Today we are starting a new series called The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I wonder if anyone can just recognize from this graphic, um, what, are you, what do you think that I'm going to emphasize in this series this fall? God. Oh, there you go. Good job, Alice. <laughs> the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're going to hear about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and how God was faithful to each of them. And, and how God is faithful to us. And, and so, but the emphasis isn't about these three men and their families. The emphasis I want is that our emphasis is on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and the Lord God, the one that we trust, we can put our trust in. And, and so today, um, I just wanted to start by, by thinking about this question. And I asked some of our leaders the other day, what is it... Why is it that we hear throughout the Bible different references of this God and they're referencing him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And it's not just, you know, for these, these men, but also throughout the Bible. We, we see this in, in, even in the New Testament and in, in the Gospels and in Acts. People are saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And why is that significant? Why is that important and why is that important, maybe even to us? What do you guys think? I'll, I'll take an take a answer. What do you think? Why? Why is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Interactive. Go. Yell it out. I don't know. David doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, very good. It's, it's, Beth said it's the same God. From then till now, God doesn't change, does he? And so sometimes we can think, well, God doesn't change. That's kind of boring or something. But we can know that God's promises, what God promises then is the same God that promises now. The, The same God that's faithful to these guys is faithful to us and will also be faithful to the next generations behind us if the Lord doesn't come before then. So, we can trust that this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is also the same God that we can trust. And we know that he is faithful. And so we're going to be looking at that throughout this fall, is how God is faithful now, and he's faithful, he was faithful then. So that's why we're kind of looking at that song, and we're going to jump into that song after the sermon later, uh, how God is faithful to us. All right, so today we're going to be um, going into Genesis, of course, to look at this story, the first of these stories in Genesis 12. And so the message today is the God who calls, the God who calls Abraham. 
And really, at that point, so his name wasn't Abraham yet. So today, if I refer to him as Abram, it's the same person as Abraham. But later, God changes his name to Abraham. So I'll, if I, I'll probably intermix Abram and Abraham today. So just that's the same person um, that later God changes his name to Abraham. All right, so if you can open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. And, and we're going to be looking at the first nine verses today. Now, in, in Genesis, this is the first book of the Bible, so hopefully, you're not, can't, hopefully you have no trouble finding it. <laughs> um, but in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, there's a lot of things that happen. And there's a lot of time that happens from Genesis 1 to Genesis, uh, leading up to Genesis 12. But just to give a little, <clears throat> excuse me, a little rundown. So in, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God creates everything in all of this universe, and especially in our world, and people, and animals, and birds, and fish, and everything, and he creates it all to be good, right? He said, it, they, he creates everything, and he said, and it is good. And, and he especially looked at humans and said, they are very good, okay? God created us humans to be perfect, don't elbow your spouse. <laughs> but he did create us to be perfect. Now, if you are mad at your spouse, you can really be mad at Adam and Eve. But we all would have probably made the same mistakes they did. Because Adam and Eve chose sin over choosing obedience. Choosing, they chose what they wanted over what God desired for them was. And because of that, there's sin and consequences, and the world is a very different place because of that. It's even hard to imagine what the Garden of Eden and what the world was like that God created because sin has corrupted every part of creation. Not just humans, every part of creation. And someday, God's going to restore all things new again, and it's going to be like or even maybe better than the first creation. And so we can be excited about someday, whenever that is, that God's going to, we can look at the end of the Bible in Revelation, and we see that in, in chapter 21 and 22, and we can see that, that God is getting this ready. It's going to be this place that all people that love Jesus are going to be dwelling with him in this perfect paradise that we call the new heaven and new earth. And, and so that's what we can look forward to. But Genesis 1 and two were the creation. Genesis three was the fall. Then we start looking. There's some strange stories in Genesis four, uh, including. So yeah, so yeah, read it <laughs> if you want. But it's some strange, some different things are happening with the people and and um, and Adam and Eve's children and and what they're doing and and starting to populate the earth. And then we get into the story of of Noah and how God was upset at all of creation because they were rejecting him except for his faithful servant, Noah. And so God sends this flood and saves just the family of Noah. But all were invited. The door was open for people to come in the ark, but everyone laughed at Noah and his family, saying they're crazy. But when the door was closed and the rain started coming and the floodwaters came, they all knew, but it was too late. And that's a sign for how it's going to be someday. Now, 
God said he'll never destroy the earth again with a flood, but someday it will be too late for those that don't love Jesus to turn to him. And so then after, after Noah and his family were saved, then they started going out and being fruitful and multiplying again, and, and creation was starting again. And then it kind of leads to corruption and destruction and terrible things again and sin and, and, and there's this, this idea in chapter 11, Genesis 11, that people wanted to go out and create this huge tower to make a name for themselves so that they could be known through all the earth and they could get closer or even get to God. And then we call that the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel, God just, he, he just, he didn't destroy, didn't destroy them, but he made them confused. And this is where we went from one language to lots of languages. So if anybody is like, hey, it'd be nice if we could just all understand each other, you can blame those people in Genesis 11. But I believe in, in heaven, we will all be able to communicate with each other, just like how God created us to be on this earth when we first started. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to say there's going to be one language, but I think we'll be able to understand each other. Don't ask me how. But it's God, and with, all, with God, all things are possible. Anyway, so we're getting into... So, so the, the people are moving all over the place. They're, they're so mad and frustrated, they aren't finishing this tower. They're going all over the place. And from this, this there's a, a family that God chooses. And God chooses this family, and we're, we're not told why, but he chooses this family of a man named Abram. And Abram at this time is 75 years old. He has a wife named Sarai, which later uh, the name will become Sarah. So Abraham and Sarah right now are Abram and Sarai. And, and so these people, the good context, you need to understand that they have no children, okay? They have no children, they're older, and they have no children, and this is what God says to Abram in Genesis 12. So read along in Genesis 12, and we're just going to read the first verse right now. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Okay, pause. I know that's, there's probably a lot to that. One verse but first of all, Abram is a man that we don't know has any knowledge of who the Lord God is. Now, can you imagine, you know, being in this, in this foreign land and being in this place where, well, it's, it was a comfort to him being in his father's household, being in a, in a land that protected him and a place that he was known, Okay. So he has all these comforts of his, of his life. He's 75, and, and you know, he's, he's had a, a good life. But now God, this, this relatively unknown God to him, calls him and says, and we don't know how God called him, if it was, if it was voice or in a dream. It, it doesn't say here. It would be nice if, if there was more details in the Bible sometimes. But what we do know is that God said somehow, Abram knew that God was clearly speaking to him, go. Now, this is interesting, this first word here that he says is go. And when we look at this in the, in the Hebrew, and I remember my, 
my Hebrew class in, in seminary, they were talking about this word go, and they weren't just saying like, get out of here. It was like this word that they, it, it was translated go for your own benefit. Now, how could it be for your own benefit if he's leaving the comforts of his family? He's leaving the comfort and protection of his country, and he's leaving his, his father's household and the people that know him. But go for your own benefit because of what God is going to do. Just like how we need to trust God's leading. So Abram, you know, I, I, can, I, can almost, I can almost relate to Abram a little bit. Because there's been some times in my life that I'm like, go away from your family and the place that you're used to and the place that you want to be. To go to a place that I'm going to show you? What, what is that? Where is that? Tell me a little bit more about this. God, just, just show me the next step. Don't, you don't have to give me the whole plan of everything, but show me a little bit more than just to the place I'm going to show you, to the land I'm going to show you. To the land I'm going to show you? Is that, is that all he's going to give him? But sometimes God reveals just enough of the next steps so we can keep trusting him and keep seeking him and keep leading, that he's leading us. Because if God said to Abram, by the way, here's the grand plan. Everything is going to happen in this timing. In 25 years, you're going to have this son. So by the way, wait 25 years exactly. Don't, uh, even, if, even if you're tempted to do something else, don't do it. It's gonna, his name's going to be Isaac and all this stuff. I'm even going to tempt I'm even going to have you, um, I'm going to test you and see if, if you really trust me. And, you know, no, he doesn't say all that. He just says, go. And, and I think that's, this can be hard. Our first point today is that the God who calls, like here, here, God is calling Abram. God is calling Abraham. But God is calling, and he's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the God who calls often asks us to do what is uncomfortable. Do you think it was comfortable for Abram to leave? Does anybody think it was comfortable for Abram to leave? To the place? Uh, no, of course not. Does that, maybe it sounds exciting, get away from the family. I don't know, but, but God was calling him to do something that was strange, that was uncomfortable, that was like, probably his family was like, what are you doing? Who are you, who are you listening to? Why are you doing that? When are you coming back? What are the promises? I, I, you know, just, it's uncomfortable. So God calls us sometimes to do things that are uncomfortable. And he wants to see if we're going to trust him. Are, we gonna, are you going to trust, even if something's uncomfortable, even if God doesn't show you all the steps and all the plans, are you going to do it? And I think that's the same for us today. When God says, are you going to, I want you to do this? And we're like, we give excuses to God. Now, we don't hear any excuses right here from, from Abraham. We don't hear the excuses of, hey, but my family's here. And hey, but uh, this is where I have protection and security and comfort. Maybe he was thinking all that. Maybe he said that to God. We don't know. But when God asks us to do something, are we giving excuses why we can't do it? You know, invite your neighbor to church. Ah, it's too awkward. Just talk to them a little bit about me. Oh, but they, they might think I'm weird. 
Join a Bible study. Do this. Do this. Nah, I can't. Start that. No, nah. But God, you, you don't understand. No. Sometimes God's going to ask us to do things that are uncomfortable, inconvenient, not something we want to do. But God's not saying, uh, uh, he's, not, he's not saying I, that you don't, that you don't need to do those things. He's, he's saying do them. I don't, he's not, doesn't matter what happens because God knows the plans and God knows that we need to trust him. Last week we heard from, from Pastor Don Patterson about how God called the prophet Samuel from an early age. And Eli, took, it took him three times to recognize the, the, the priest Eli took, wait, wait, you're hearing from God. You're hearing from the Lord. But Samuel did what was uncomfortable. But maybe as a child, it wasn't that uncomfortable to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Isaiah, when he was older, he got to see this vision of God in this throne room. And, and he was, he says, who's going to go? God's saying, who's going to go and speak for me? Who's going to go and tell the people about, about the true God? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. But he did this in a state of humility. Not like, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. No. It was like, somebody needs to go. Somebody needs to tell people. It can can be me. But it's not me by myself. It's me with you, Jesus. It's me with you, Spirit of the living God, giving me wisdom, giving me words to say, nudging me. You can do it. This is what you say. This is how you do it. Just go be with people. Show them love. You know, I was saying earlier that there was a lot of times in my life that I can say, and even recent, even a couple of years ago, before coming to here, fin- finishing seminary and looking where we're going to go, God, you show us where to go. And I've kind of given this story a lot, so I'm not going to go into this right now. But I remember my kids were saying, we were reading about this, this story about Abram being called by God. Go to the place I'm going to show you. And the kids said, some of the kids in in the nighttime Bible story that I was reading this, my kids said, well, Dad, we could just pack up the moving van and go to wherever God says. And that was exciting for them. I don't remember which kid it was. Do you remember? I don't remember. But some of the kids, David or Emily probably were one of the older ones. We could just go. And God will just tell us which direction to go. And I'm like, okay, from Colorado, we could, I mean, should we like head east or west, north, south? Like, which direction? But God will show us. And there's some excitement in that. God's going to show you. And we can just trust him. But as adults, we're like, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. You know, we don't just pack up our stuff and then go to where God's going to show us. But that's what God said to Abram. And Abram obeyed. But there is one time, there's a lot of times, but I remember in college, I really wanted, there's a lot of things I wanted in college. At the end of college, I was trying to find a job. I was trying to figure out what to do and where to go. And, and I remember, I remember thinking, if I could just get a good job and have the money, then I'll be able to get the car and the house and the, somehow the wife and then kids and, and then I'll be able to do the comfortable things of this land. The comfortable American dream, I get to do it, but first I got to get the job. Get the job first. 
And so I went around to these interviews, and I, I graduated from computer graphics at Purdue, and, I, and it's, that's a decent major, and that should be a, I mean, I, I had a B average or something, or I, I did well, but the interviews just kept closing. The doors kept closing, and nothing was happening. And I was like, God, what do you want from me? Where, do, where, do, where should I go? And God was trying to show me, I don't have this like comfortable American dream lifestyle for you. And I'm not trying to rip anybody that, that has that. I, I, it just, for me, that's what I wanted. I wanted those things. And God said, that's not what I have for you. And so he opened up this door kind of slowly, but he opened it and kind of pushed me through. And I kind of had to say, I kept praying, are you sure, God? Are you sure, God? And it was this, go to the mission field. Go to Nicaragua. Be a teacher where you get paid almost nothing. I mean, if you're going to apply to be a teacher at, at the school I was, that'd be good. Uh, they do pay something. But it's not like a, quote-unquote, good job. <laughs> it's, it's a missionary job. And I still have to raise support. But, so God was saying, go, this is what I have for you. This is what I want you to do. And I, and I was just like, are you sure, God? I, I, can, I, can, I really, can I really just move overseas and go? And he kept saying yes. And I said, well, what about my college loans? I'm, I'm in debt. And God says, trust me. I was like, but I don't want to. I'd rather just get the job and pay off my loans. And God says, trust me. And I said, well, how can I go from, they want me to sign a two-year contract at this school. How can I do it? I'm okay with one, but I can't do two. And God just kept saying, trust me. And I wasn't, I don't know how fast Abram left. It doesn't talk about all those details. But I wasn't super fast in jumping at this. But I think God was okay with that. Because I kept saying, God, how? I kept going back to God with all this. All the questions I had where I was uncomfortable. God, you're, you're calling me to something that's uncomfortable. Going to Nicaragua, this, this country that is really poor and it's, it's, it's relatively unknown. I mean, I had been there as I had been there before, so it wasn't unknown to me, but it was it was really stepping in as as something that I had that's as an adult to live there. So God was calling me to something that was uncomfortable. And I think he calls us all to something that's uncomfortable. All right, let's see what what happens in in verse 2. So now in in Genesis 12, we see that God's calling Abram to leave. Take away, go from all his comforts to the place that God's going to show him. And it says in verse 2, and God says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Now, some of those, I mean, think about back to chapter 11. What are the people trying to do? They're trying to make their name great, right? The Tower of Babel. They're trying to build a, a name for themselves so they can be known. God is now saying, you, if you obey me, I'm going to make your name known. And I'm going to give you a great nation. Now, I wonder if Abram was like, okay, first of all, God, that sounds amazing, but I don't have any kids. So how can I have, how can I be the father of a great nation? 
when I'm not even a dad? How can I do that? Again, God's saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. So God's going to make his name great, Abram's name great, and, and you will be a blessing. So here we can see these things, being a, being a great nation, that God's going to bless him, and he's going to make his name great, a second, or he's gonna make, make his name great, and that not just that he's going to have blessing, but he's also going to be a blessing. This is a key missional text right here in the Bible. This is very key because we see that Abram wasn't just supposed to hang on to his blessing. It's going to be, his blessing is for others. But what I want to point out in our second point today is that a God who calls always rewards obedience. Now I know that might seem, it might not seem always true. Because you probably, even in preaching or in anything you do, you probably shouldn't say always. Because there's usually a time that you can be like, uh, not that time. In fact, at home, a lot of times when we say never or always, we, we can usually find a time that, nope, that's not true. It's not always. It's like 999.999, but not that one time. But I'm saying always. You know why I'm saying always? Because it's true. Now, now it doesn't mean it's true that it doesn't mean that we always see the reward. Do we always see the reward? Am I saying that we always see the reward? No, I'm not saying we're always going to see that reward. I mean, Jesus talks about how we're going to store up our treasure in heaven, where moth and and decay don't destroy. Right? Our treasure is in heaven. But a lot of the reward that we also see will and is now. It's not just for later. But if we don't see it now, you can count on it later, okay? (laughs) We can count on it for in heaven. We're storing up treasure in heaven. But always, God is rewarding obedience. With obedience comes blessing. Now, I know that's borderline uh, prosperity gospel. And if you want to learn more about prosperity gospel and how that's actually really bad, there's a great um, documentary you can watch. We have it in the library. It's called American Gospel. I encourage you to watch it if you haven't. But the summary of prosperity gospel, and I don't want you to get into this because <laughs> I want you to understand what it is so you can stay away from it. But if we say, God, you give me these things, if, if I give if I tithe 10% and I tithe and I give lots of money and I do all the things that you want me to do, then God, you're going to bless me in return. Now, is it true that if we bless God, he blesses us? Yes. Yes, I know. You guys think I'm giving some trick questions, but I'm not. I mean, in, in the Minor Prophets, it talks about how we can't outgive God. And, and God says, test me on this. Give and give and give, and you see that you can't outgive me. Right? You guys know that? So, some of these verses and some of these kind of ideas then kind of get twisted in some of these churches, okay? They're twisted. They're like, hey, test God on this. Just give and give and give to us so we can get really rich, and then you can count on, not, well, they can say you can count on whatever, but we don't know, right? Kind of this, this, this idea that. But it's not just about giving financially. It's in all, all areas. 
but a lot of it has to do with finances. It's also in the area of health and prosperity, that God's going to give you a great job, that God's going to give you health, and you're not going to have cancer, and you're going to be healed. Just, God can do all those things. Of course we know that. But our motivation is different there, right? If we're just saying, God, give me these things, we're just pretty much saying, God, you're a vending machine. God, you give me what I want. I'll do what I need to do, give you lots of money so that you heal me. I give you lots of money so you give me more money. You know, I saw yesterday or this weekend, somebody sent me a thing that Target was selling $500 gift cards for us on sale price for $15. They're selling these $500 gift cards for $15. So if for somehow that is true, well, Target would be going out of business really fast, I think, because everybody would be buying them or something. But is that how we look at God? God, if I put in my $15, you're going to pay my rent. God, if I put in my $15, then I'll just get whatever I need. Is that possible? Yes. But what's our motivation? Is our motivation, I give $15, so I get back $500? No. Our motivation is that God blesses those he loves. Jesus says, every father gives good gifts to his children. So how much greater is God, our Heavenly Father, giving to the children He loves? He wants to bless us. But we're not doing things so that He blesses us. See the difference there? If we're just doing things so we get the blessing, then we can just kind of skip God in the equation. Right? We're not trusting God. We're just like, okay, God, I put in my $15, I get my 500 back. Now I can go on a shopping spree at Target and I'll do it again and again and again because I'll keep spending that $15. But then we're missing God out of the equation. We're, we're, not, we're not seeking after God. You know, in my life, when I went to Nicaragua, I saw that God was providing for me. I, I chose obedience. And I saw that God was providing something even better than what I could have wanted in the United States. And I'm not trying to say being in the United States is bad or anything. And just in my example, God was saying, go to Nicaragua. Trust me. I mean, we could just preach prosperity gospel right here because God paid for my student loans. Hallelujah. But did I go so he would pay off my student loans? No. God gave me a beautiful wife. Hallelujah. But did, did I go so I could get the beautiful wife? No. <laughs> right? Some people do. <laughs> I mean, some people go to college. I mean, there's a whole different, like, MRS degree and all that, you know. So, no, but we want to we find those things, right? But God rewards obedience. And even then, 12 years down the road, when, when, we're, when Ellen and I are praying, God, it seems like even though ministry is going really well in Nicaragua and we love the kids that we're working with and we love the school and, and our kid, we love our, that our kids are like learning Spanish and like, and are, are having this third world experience, this 
this missionary kid experience. We, we love it that our kids are doing that. But God was saying, you're getting comfortable. And I don't think it's wrong to be comfortable. I, I'm not trying to say that at all. But God was showing us, I have something next for you. And again, we were, this time together, we're like, and maybe I was dragging my feet more than Ellen was. Actually, I was. But why? Why, God? Ministry is going well. I love the ministry. I love working with kids. The, the, the youth ministry. Doing all these crazy things. It was fun. But God was saying, I have something next for you. And he didn't tell us what it was. He just said, trust me. And so when we trust God, we're, we, we, obey, we trust and obey. And those, when we trust and obey, blessings and rewards come. Just like Abram, he was trusting in this relatively unknown God for these promises, but that he would get these rewards. Now, the timing wasn't there for what he probably liked, because we'll find out later about all the things he did. But we, we can trust a faithful God. Let's see then. So we've seen that the God who calls often asks us to do what's uncomfortable, and the God who calls always rewards obedience. And then in verse 3, and we'll just read the rest of these nine verses uh, here. In Genesis 12, verse 3, God says, I will bless those who bless you, and, I will, or, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Those are some good promises. God's on Abram's side. But not just for Abram. He's doing it to be a light and a witness to all nations, all people on the earth. I think that's our mission too, that we would take God's love, we would take God's calling, we would take His blessing, and we would give it, and we would show it to others so that they would see this great God that we serve. Verse 4, So Abram went... So he obeyed, as the Lord had said to him. And Lot was with him, went with him. And Abram was 75 when he set out from the land of Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So here, it's just showing in these verses right here that, that Abram is trusting that God is going to be faithful in what he's asking him to do. Abram is doing it. He's going to the place. Now, how do we know why Canaan? Well, God was clearly showing him. Here's the direction. He doesn't show us how. You know, the Israelites had a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, so they knew which way to go. It doesn't say how here. Sometimes we, we want to know the hows and the whys and you know, all the important things. But God is, you know, we, we're not told that. Verse 6, it says, Abram traveled through the land and as far as the site of the great tree of Moreb at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So he's going to this place. And, and now all of a sudden he, he's getting there and there's people there. God's giving him this land. God's giving him prosperity and he's, he's, he's going to be blessed and his name's going to be great, but now there's people there. 
And so that, you can imagine that there's a problem there for Abram. But the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So he's trusting God. He's trusting, even though there's people there. Even though I'm at this place where you're going to give me the land, this prosperity, there's still some opposition. There's still some problems here. But he, he chose to worship God there. He built an altar to worship God. Verse 8, it says, From there he went on to the road towards the hills east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on, on the west and an Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. So again, he, now he's settling in a place, and he is worshiping the Lord again. He's building another altar and verse 9, Abram set out and continued towards the Neved. This place, just the desert, doesn't seem super important of a verse, but I think what it's trying to show us here is that Abram went, and he went to go check out the land, to check out the blessing that God was giving him so that he could know it, he could know that land, and he could be then showing other people the blessing that God was giving him, and that he could be a light to all that he could make God's name known. So our third point today is that the God who calls, is not on the slide, but the God who calls expects his blessing to be shared with others. The God who calls expects his blessing to be shared with others. So God is calling Abram to go, and he's calling him to do something uncomfortable. And he's going to bless him. He always rewards obedience. But now he's saying, don't just take that blessing for yourself, but use it to bless others. And that's one of the things that God wants all of us to do. Use the blessings, even the small blessings in our life, to show people this great God we serve. Bless as we receive the blessing, let's give that blessing to others. Let's share in that blessing. And so God, ex- God is not just wanting us to share that blessing. He's expecting us to share that blessing. He's expecting that we are a blessing to others. He's blessing us. We bless others. And hopefully... When we're blessing others, we can, see, we can look back on our lives and say, wow, wow, I, the blessing that God gave me, then I, then I gave it to others. And I, I can see how God did something great, not just for me, but it's for his name. And he made, he's making him known. This was God's plan for the nations to come to him. Now, the Israelites... Long story, he, they didn't really do it very well. But this was God's plan of how people are going to know about this good, faithful, trustworthy God. And let's do that, all of us too. Let's show our neighbors and our friends and our family and those that were co-workers and, and classmates, let's show them the true, faithful 
God that we serve. And let's, even if it's uncomfortable, let's talk to people about God. Let's show him the blessings in our life and bless others with them. Show them that, that we have treasure in heaven, that we have rewards, and, we, and, and that we have a heart. God has a heart for all people. So Abram left his uncomfortable to obey. And Chuck Swindoll says that God's direction always includes God's provision. So he, even, though he, even though Abram left all the provision, because he was following God's direction, God is providing for him. We can trust that when God leads, that he's going to provide. Like when God led us away from Nicaragua, he led us very clearly through a lot of details and a lot of, to Denver Seminary. And very clearly, again, to East Bend. And it's not just for the pastor to be following after God and finding out where God's leading. It's for all of us. And it's not always just the big things, like the move your family. No, that's what happened for Abram. But he's saying, go, show people my good my goodness and my blessing. Share it with others. You know, when we got to Denver Seminary, we, we, we could see our, ki- our kids, we were praying for friendships for them, and we saw very clearly God answering prayer with friendships. And, you know, we thought that God's answer to prayer was this, this one family, that the kids were all the similar ages as the kids, and we just got along so well, and that, that was a huge blessing for us in seminary. But then Ellen and I didn't even realize that God was answering prayer also by our new neighbors that moved in a year later, Micah and Melissa Ward. And now you guys get to have partnership with Micah and Melissa Ward as they go over to Southeast Asia to spread the good news of Jesus there. So that, that blessing, and we're, we're, when we obey, when we take steps of obedience, we can see God blessing in lots of ways. And we can go on and on about all that. But God, it's this, this idea, that actually the main idea today is that God, the God who calls, is the God who blesses. The God who calls, the God who wants us to do something for him is also the God that gives rewards and blessing. And, and in this story, it turned out like this, that God wants obedience, then when we obey God blesses, and when he blesses, he wants us to share the blessing. So he's calling us to something bigger and something greater and something unknown and something different, but it's not for our own benefit. It's for us to trust him, and it's for us to know that he is the faithful God that we need in our life every day and have that relationship with Jesus. So as we're going to see throughout this whole Sermon series. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is our God, and he is faithful. Before I close, uh, I would like to just encourage you just to take a moment and think about this question. How do I walk in obedience to what God has called me to? So just take a moment and clear your mind and ask, 
Ask the Holy Spirit to interact with you right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the faithful God. Thank you that we can trust you. And Lord, when you call us to do something, whether it's comfortable or not, God, I pray that we would obey you and we would trust you. And God, I thank you that you bless us. And God, I pray that we would be a blessing to others. And that people would come to know you, Jesus, because of the blessing they see in our life and the goodness that you are. We pray that we can be knowing more and more of who you are and how we can trust you and so other people could come to know you, Jesus. Thank you for your heart for all people and not just for Abram and his family, but for all all the people of this world that you came for. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God who blesses and the greatest blessing that he could bless us with is sending his son Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And so today we get to celebrate communion. I'm sorry I went a little long.